listening to the Cast. All right, hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cubecast. Uh, looks like it's just me, uh, Tom, here today, and we're going to be talking to Josh, uh, coming uh, in all the way from Vancouver. What's going How you on? Doing? Freaking pretty fantastic, honestly. Just went for a little skate, so I'm feeling all amped up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Have you been skating for a while? Yeah, I um. Well, I I just recently got back into skateboarding, but I I skated before I ever did parkour, actually. And oh really? I, yeah, I I quit skateboarding when I started doing parkour because I was just like, I don't know. As soon as I started training, I was like, okay, everything else in life. Put that on hold. It's one thousand percent parkour forever. <laughs> yeah, that's the classic like beginner's obsession. Yeah, with, with I, parkour, uh, hey? I I remember when I started parkour. I like I set all these crazy standards for myself. Like I had to just like I stopped everything. Um, I even I even like tried to stop like dating girls and stuff. I was like, I just gotta focus on training, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> I had these like even before I started training actual parkour, I did like I, I created like an exercise regimen for myself because I thought I was too weak to start. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I didn't even know what to do to like get myself in the zone of doing parkour. All I knew was like my body was far too weak. So like. I would go and like run stairs, which I don't even know how that would apply to parkour, but I'd do like stair runs. And then one day I would like, I, I would just do push-ups for some reason. Just, just things then, you've seen other people do like on TV. Yeah, just like, like Rocky just, ran up some stairs. That works. Exactly. I was like, I, <laughs> I need like more athleticism in general. So let's just like do things that seem difficult. Just punching like frozen meat in the... Meat locker somewhere. I'm like slurping raw eggs. <laughs> this will work, I swear. So, <laughs> how, how old were you then when you got into parkour? And what year was that? Um, the year was 2010. So okay. I was I was about 14 when I started, and um, I remember at the at the very very early stage of it, <laughs> I was so shy about practicing parkour that i would only come to open gym on the days i knew that nobody else was going to show up oh right. <laughs> really and that, that was back in calgary is that right yeah yeah back in calgary we had this this tiny gym called no limits afc and it was just this like little like it was <laughs> it was like the size of i don't know like two vancouver apartments which is like really small yeah. so it was just like the tiniest space, but we made it work, you know? Yeah, that, even from pictures I remember seeing back in the day, it looked tiny. Like, that had to be a 15 by 15 foot room or something. Like, maybe <laughs> longer than that. Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was like a long parkour hallway. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, you train, uh, how old were you then when you went to Vancouver? Um, I must have been okay. It's been four years since I moved, and I'm 25 now. So I was I was like 21. Yeah. Okay. So you were like around for all the early breeds, gym stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I I helped build two of the breathe gyms. Oh wow. 
even the south uh, south one there hey yeah yeah that one was a, a pretty huge undertaking because compared to the north location we just had like a crap ton of room to work with like it was just like we had this massive massive place and let's just build the biggest things we can and the best things we can yeah that that location i it it set a new standard i think for yeah for parkour gym yeah it was it, it was it was a huge step up from the north gym because with with breathe parkour north we we built it well like the the company built it on pretty short notice because no limits closed down in like uh i don't know 2014 maybe like late 2013 like or around new year's time i think right and then you know that that gym got demolished and then we just took a month and with breathe parkour we built the the best gym we could in that location in one month's time so we had so that we could like yeah. have as little not training time as possible that's pretty good though like there was a, a lot in that space and then considering the rush and then the year right like there weren't a ton of parkour places to reference at that yeah. point yeah actually we we made some pretty classic parkour gym mistakes like first first parkour gym mistakes because like coming from no limits we all we had known was like a gym with no level changes or anything like that so there was no foam pit the bars weren't as integrated or anything like that so right. naturally when we moved from our tiny little hallway space the thing we wanted the most was like a huge 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 foam pit so like we the we designing this gym we just we just threw a massive foam pit in the center and built a parkour gym around that yeah yeah it was like it, it was like breathe parkour the foam pit with gym accoutrements on the yeah, side, yeah. You know? it wasn't yeah, even it good. wasn't even a, yeah it wasn't even like marketed as a park or it shouldn't have been marketed as a parkour gym it should have just been foam, foam pit, pit. extras <laughs> i think yeah. that's the first time i i used the an airbag was it always an airbag there no so we initially okay that that foam pit went through a couple different iterations like we started off with like like an actual foam pit like we had all fresh foam and everything and this thing was 10 feet up but we did we couldn't afford to like i keep saying we but like i wasn't like part of yeah. the company like i i here, here i am taking ownership of this company that i did not own at all breathe parkour was you know matt and frankie and um yeah they so so we yeah 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 we we couldn't afford to fill this like you know like i don't know it's like seven feet up or something like that and there's just this massive hole so what we did was we took like i I think it was like, I it's it's like what um, oh what is it? It's the straps you can tie things down with in the back of like trucks and stuff. Oh yeah yeah, um, yeah like straps. Yeah, you know straps. Yeah, sure. straps. Yeah. So so we used like large fat straps and created a trample, pretty much a trampoline netting for the foam cubes. Oh. Or for, the, for the foam pit, and so we yeah. had maybe like three or three feet of foam and then just like a like a trampoline bouncy bottom so you would right. jump in from any 
portion of the foam pit and the whole thing would bounce and this like like oh, that's you, pretty you, sick. you've seen the airbag right yeah <laughs> so that whole area just one giant foam pit trampoline yeah wow <laughs> And and we hadn't we hadn't really we hadn't thought through the design entirely because we we soon discovered that with this foam pit design, the foam cubes would eventually start pushing through the holes in in the, like the strap net we had created. Yeah. And so part of our working shifts at the gym was just going under the foam pit and just collecting all the cubes and bringing them back up. We called it the catacombs because it was like it was pitch black down there. You had <laughs> the flashlight. It was like it, it was literally like going through a catacomb and collecting hidden treasure and then having to bring People's, it back up. Uh, socks and jewelry, cell phones yeah. down there. Coins, watches, yeah. things <laughs> like that. And we had we had this tower for you know, like a bar setup that went into the foam pit and that was hollow on the inside too. So what some employees did was like created like a little tiny lounge area inside of one of the towers. So if you were like truly a negligent employee, <laughs> you yeah. would go into the catacombs and climb up into this little lounge area. And I, I, I say lounge, but it was like literally this wide and there was like a pillow and stuff and you could just like chill there in the catacombs in complete silence. Uh, now, now Matt knows what his employees were doing, hey? <laughs> I'm never getting hired again. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, and, and then the, the foam pit became a little too much for us to maintain. So eventually I think they they changed to an inflatable airbag. Right, yeah. That's pretty sick, those things. Yeah. I think it's a good way to go. It it was it was a much more cost effective solution because like foam foam pit cubes end up being something like oh what is it even? It's like five dollars a block or something like that. And that that's like that's, yeah, that's crazy. And then you need to get like a a, a bajillion of them. Yeah. Like you need two thousand of these things, or whatever. <laughs> like, Literally. So you know, when, when, when you see kids sitting in the foam pit and they're just like tearing up cubes and stuff, you're like, "Hey, that costs money." Like, <laughs> that was our way of like stopping kids from doing things. <laughs> like, yo, you know how much we pay for those? <laughs> so you coached at at the that location for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I I had a a small apprenticeship at no limits and they trained me up to be kind of a, a junior coach there so when breathe parkour mm. came around we we like as in all of the pretty much all of the teaching staff at breathe minus a few people or no uh, sorry all the teaching staff at no limits minus a few people we all just kind of were grandfathered into being the teachers there like there wasn't there wasn't really like a, a training up process so it was just like right. all right who's ready to be a teacher what's our yeah. curriculum going to be okay we'll just adjust it as we go and go yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, especially back, back twenty ten, or I guess how when when did that location start? Yeah, so fourteen was. Sorry, which one? Uh, the first one was that the north one. Yeah, the first one was back north, in, and that was back in twenty fourteen. And like even back then, we weren't really sure what to do for a curriculum. Like yeah. I remember there was in in level one, we had one move called called a height drop, but it was a drop into a roll. But you couldn't just do like a normal roll. You had to like lunge into the roll. 
And it was like this really specific like skill we were asking beginners to do. Yeah. Like I remember like a couple of the coaches being like, like, why does the role have to be so long? And like that was just like that was the way it was, you know, that was our <laughs> curriculum. We're sticking to it. Just the way the Yamakaze does it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very, very natural movement y. Yeah, and that was long enough ago where I feel like it was probably around those years that parkour really started to develop more a lot more technically. Yeah. Yeah, I think around that time you started seeing teams like Team Farang start really popping up. Like they like around 2012 they were they started popping and then 2014 they'd really hit like the the not the hype, but one of the peaks of their popularity for sure where like, you know, everyone started wearing like the the harem pants and you know like yeah. like the drop crotch <laughs> trousers and stuff, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of that was kind of around the time when like yeah, we started moving over from you know, like the three run videos and, you know, yeah. like Daniel Ilbaca and, and, you know, we, things, things started changing over to like the, the team Farang, like flowy type stuff back. Yeah. Then. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of that, the transition mm -hmm. into um, away from the original style. Yeah. Like actually doing um, continuous lines of things. Yeah. Instead <laughs> of doing like just like single, single practice moves. Yeah, that's honestly, for myself, the first, you know, five, six years was a lot of just single things. Like, you just go to this one thing. Yeah. Like, it, uh, I, I remember watching all those parkour videos back then and thinking that my style would be a lot like that. And then 2014 came around, and I was just like, let's just, like, spin. Let's just touch things and spin. Well, I can see that. Like, you definitely have your own unique way of moving like Thank you know you. if you were like blocked blocked off couldn't see who it was and just like your outline it'd be like oh yeah, that's got to be josh ah well thank like, you for that real was, that was part of the pursuit was like i wanted to create oh there's there's two kind of goals there two two kind of opposite stretching goals one was i i wanted to create my own original movement based off of what i was inspired by but also <laughs> there was a lot of like me wanting to be like Pasha, but like inherently right. I could not because I am me. I'm not Pasha. You know, I, I don't have yeah. all this experience of, you know, solo training in Russia with, you know, a bar and a tire and like, <laughs> you know, breakdancing experience and things like that. Like I, I didn't have that base, mm -hmm. but I wanted so badly to just like do the stuff that that Pasha was doing. So a lot of the time, Things were just like me trying to be Pasha, not quite getting there and being like, all right, I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to try and do it this way then. And like that, that was kind of how the style began to emerge. Yeah, that's a that's a hard thing to do when you're obviously everything in parkour is so inspired by other people's videos. And you for like for myself, I'd see something like, oh, I want to do that just like that. That's how I want to move. But it's it's difficult to overcome and be like, no, just don't worry about looking just like that. Do your own thing. Just do the moves that you feel. Yeah. That's... Well, it sounds like you had more patience than me because for me, it was like, uh, it, it was like, try and do the thing he's doing. And like either, either kind of get it or not really. And just be like, all right, well, I'm going to try it this way then. <laughs> you know? Like I like, not necessarily mirroring the movement, but 
putting in a, a solid effort to tr try and do it as closely as possible. And then when things would start to mess up, I'd be like, oh, let's just try it this way. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's probably in the, for me, like just a couple of years um, before I started parkour in that time, I had been doing uh, MMA. So it was kind of one of those things, right? It's like you're either doing it right or you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what so you get that in your head. Drove a lot of people away from gymnastics and into parkour. In my yeah. experience, like a lot of people who maybe started with gymnastics or started with martial arts, they didn't like that, you know, it's correct or it's not correct type of mentality. Like, I, I, I think a lot of people took to parkour because it was like you, you can kind of just do it your own way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you really it's true you can do pretty much whatever hey and maybe the only thing someone will call you on is whether if that was a good stick or not yeah <laughs> and then here i am being a hypocrite because i i recently just came out with a video like talking about my own preferences for flow and like if you do this it's cool if you do oh, this yeah. it sucks <laughs> <laughs> like i was I, I i made that video because i was one day i was just sitting pretty much on this couch and just watching um, I was watching PKFR TV um, battles and they have a lot of like freestyle battles where it looks it looks pretty much like they're doing like an art of motion submission where, you know, they'll right. they'll be given an environment and they'll try and, you know, maximize their skill and, and or sorry, yeah, their their difficulty, their flow, their execution, things like that. And I noticed that there was there was a couple things in watching these videos that really turned me off from a line. And so I was kind of hot off of those feelings and I just wanted to like make a video like, here's why those lines did not make me feel great. <laughs> yeah, and then like, it is completely subjective, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. and, and the other thing is like, yeah, it, it's, it, yeah it, it, it is an entirely subjective point of view, even from within myself. It's not even like, you know, I, I think this way and you can think this way. It's like, no, I think this way sometimes, but also other times the opposite is definitely true. Like yeah. maybe you can make three butt rolls in a, in a row look really cool. You know, there's gotta be a way. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, 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 I slammed a lot of different training styles. Like I, I slammed castaways and I love a good castaway, but what I don't like is when people like stop and it stop their entire momentum of the line like if if they're going one way and instead they just jump on a wall and do a castaway and then keep going like i like a castaway at the end of a line or like i don't know just like a well-placed pop castaway or something and yeah a, another point in that video that a lot of people kind of got on my case about was returning to the same obstacle or using too many transition yeah. moves yeah but i think done correctly is fine but when you're just like going back to an obstacle to pack more moves into your line or you're going back to that obstacle instead of, you know, letting your momentum take you where you're actually going, you know, that that's right. when it starts being like, OK, like, I don't know if this person understands where their flow is taking them, you know, it's forcing it too much. Yeah, yeah that, that that's it. Like, that's that's. Like, I don't think that there is a right or a wrong way to form a line in terms of how you're going about it. But I think that 
if if you choose to follow your momentum or no, if you're choosing to not follow your momentum or not follow the impulse that one move is giving you, yeah. that's when things start to feel off to me. Yeah. And I can see why with a, especially a move like a castaway where you land, it's kind of like stopped, like your momentum has come to a stop. Yeah. So from there, it's just... <laughs> you know, like you're literally like midline through. stopping to like hug your waist up against an obstacle and then yeah. and then kick yourself into a flip as opposed to having some kind of a a flowier ledge interaction like there's there, there there's so many better combinations than a castaway to do in a in a situation where say you're moving straight and there is a line there's a wall on your side and you know something has sent you from that wall around and moving straight like you yeah. you don't need to like turn and cast away land and then keep going you can you know turn to the ledge put one foot on it do like a like a dub double b twist or something off the ledge you know something that kind of in, instead of making it so linear here here and then back you can be like here and i'm gonna go up and down and it's gonna take me this way you know right. like the the best looking lines that i've ever seen in parkour where they, they were where someone is following their momentum and each move leads into the next one. There's no unnecessary steps. There's not even really a requirement for a, a transition move, like a butt roll or a cartwheel or anything like that. It's like you do a flip off a ledge and, and you do a specific landing that sends you into your next move, into your next move. Like the the ending of each move looks precisely like the beginning of the next move right. you know that's a very hard thing. that's a very hard thing to do <laughs> right <laughs> like that that is, that is the epitome of parkour to me like i i originally I, I really wanted to do like a presentation on this i called it ballistic style but i i don't even know what ballistic means <laughs> like but what, what i Sounds actually cool. meant to say was like like rapid fire style like where it, it, exactly as i said like the ending of one move is the beginning of the next one. That is just, that is complete mastery because it, it it's kind of hard to tell from an out, outside perspective that like it is difficult to execute moves in that way. But like you look at a beginner where, you know, they, they need a very specific setup to do each move and they'll land two feet, you know, they'll like, like imagine for a front flip, they need to, uh, it, Imagine a beginner who had just learned front flips and they did it a very specific way each time. They did one step in, two foot plant, front flip, land two feet. And if they put that into a line, it would have to be the same thing. Like they, they would do a Kong, land, one step in, two foot, front flip. But when you reach a certain level of mastery, you, would, you wouldn't require any specific entry into a front flip. Like you could do a Webster right. variation and you could land, you know, left foot right foot or if if the next move required you to be facing the other way you could do a webster and scissor switch in the air and land on your other foot which would send you into the next one like that is mastery to me understanding each entry and exit variation of each move so that when your momentum calls for you to do that move you can do that one and continue into the next one in a seamless manner wow that's a good uh I, I like that breakdown yeah. of it. That's very um, when when you put it like that, you can only really kind of begin to understand how technical a good line really is. Yeah, 
Yeah, because it just seems like fr from a, 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 a layman's perspective or someone who doesn't quite understand the principles of, of flow, you can you you see those lines and you appreciate them more than other lines, but you're not sure exactly why. But I think the best example of these, uh, oh, crap, I, I forget what year it was, but Pasha had a, a submission for Art of Motion. I think Stas also did a submission that year. And both of them just epitomized that style where one move leads into the next. But not only that, but they were linking together like very high level moves. Like Pasha would do like he he would do like a like an a twist and land hyper so that he could go straight into a roll bomb mm -hmm. or something like that like that that year i forget i think it was 2016 um that was when that epitome of of flow and mastery of flow became prevalent to me and and in the parkour culture so are there any goals then that you're working on for yourself with your training in terms of your flow that, that you're working on? Do you have an end result? Um, I think I want to incorporate more. There's, there's two kind of things here. I want, I want to incorporate more power into my style, like more, more parkour efficiency uh, in terms of like, jumps and vaults and stuff like that. I want to be a little bit more proficient with larger vaults and and higher vaults and higher like higher risk vaults. But then right. I, I'd also like to I want to cover more ground because I've I've noticed another mm. thing that really draws me to a good parkour line is they they tend to cover a lot of ground and they touch on a lot of different obstacles like the mm. the opposite is also true. Like I think Parkour lines, aside from like, you know, the odd, really cool single obstacle flow, I find that parkour lines that don't tend to cover a lot of ground to be less satisfying to to watch. I'm not as drawn to them. Yeah, I guess uh, there's something more eye-catching about things like a little bigger. It's like there's that athletic difficulty to it too beyond the technical. Yeah, like, like imagine watching someone doing, you know, like a really cool flow line across two picnic benches and then imagine them doing relatively the same moves, but covering, you know, more ground, having more momentum involved. Like it's just in general, it's it's more exciting to watch and it's actually more exciting to do as well, because you're not just having to muscle through every single movement. You know, we're when when you're moving and covering a lot more ground, it takes less hurt like less muscular power and more momentum type power to to generate those tricks right right yeah control like you see someone like george pk like he of course he's, he's <laughs> got like a ton of leg power but look at the freaking ground he covers with each flip you know yeah it's it's wild watching that guy like he's That's he's like... the perfect mix of of momentum and and power it's incredible. Yeah. Like everything he posts is freaking mind blowing. I know. It's just like where, like how is that, like where is that power coming from? You know, especially yeah. a guy who doesn't weightlift or anything. I'm <laughs> pretty sure he's not on like some like any any specific athletic diet or anything like that. <laughs> it's wild. As far he's... as I know, he's just you know he lives and eats like your average dude, but trains super hard. That's yeah.
I'm, I'm envious of that. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, w- I wish I had spring like that. But I think my my theory is that all of the, the weightlifting that I did in in high school to like, I want to be like a strong jock dude. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted to, I want to be big and strong. I think some of that power or some of that muscle has helped me with power generation, but I think some of it has also kind of hindered me. I did a lot of building slow muscle and right. my fast twitch muscle didn't really keep up, I don't think. Yeah, that's the hard thing too, not only building muscle, but then having it coordinated with your like your nervous system development to use yeah. it. Yeah, like it's 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 a totally different mechanic. Like I thought that it, if I did big squats, I would have big jumps. But I, I found out that there is an entirely different style of training where you are teaching your nervous system to to fire and, and yeah to, to fire these muscles at, a, at a, a quicker rate than they've ever done before. Yeah. Did you find, like, for myself, when I was focused more on heavy squats, it didn't help a ton with my vertical jump, but it helped a lot with my landings. Yeah, my my power, like my my impact absorption now, like with with all of the squats and stuff that I've done, like I can just take height drops now. It's nothing, and and yeah. <laughs> my my knees don't hate me for it. Like I think, I, I think the best thing a young parkour athlete can do is probably to do a little bit of conditioning for their quads, because mm-hmm. so often you you hear people quickly developing you know knee injuries and 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 knee problems and things like that, but. I think because of the the squatting and the the jump training that I did at the start, it's yeah. it's prevented me from having a lot of chronic injuries, and also I, I think it saved me from some pretty major injuries. Like back right. in 2018, I I went for a dub back side, like it's a a backward setup into a, a double side flip, pretty much like you right. jump backflip style, but pivot and then yeah, pivot in the air and and do a a double side flip. And the landing, I I hadn't really thought it through entirely because I had done it on airbags, I had done it into foam pits, and it doesn't really prepare you for that kind of impact absorption. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. how kind of awkward it is to absorb that flip. I, I had such an issue with it. I would I would land and collapse and land and collapse and land <laughs> and collapse. And I must have done like, I think I, I did around 20 attempts of this uh, <laughs> unsuccessfully. Like I would macaco out or roll out or land short. Yeah. Um, and I finally landed one. And the impact absorption was, it was such an odd angle because you are neither, you're, you're neither square like facing forwards nor are you facing sideways. You're kind of half in between. So one knee is absorbing right. in one way and then the other knee is oh, absorbing yeah. the other way. And yeah, it's, it's hard to... It, it it was hard to squarely absorb that impact and having your knee at even a slight wrong angle for that instead of going you know instead of your left knee going out to the left to absorb the impact that knee could by accident go to the right and watching a, right. a slow mo breakdown of my one successful landing attempt or almost successful landing attempt <laughs> I I I cringe because that knee did go inwards. And I think oh, that yeah. if I didn't have that quad strength, that I definitely would have torn an ACL or something like that. Oh, for sure. Could have easily see that a lot with people who are just not prepared for the heavy impact stuff in their knees. Our ankles too, actually. That's a big one where the go inward and it's just like, oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, the amount of weird little ankle tweaks I've seen in my in my parkour experience. <laughs> but lucky enough, because I skateboarded, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because I did a lot of skateboarding, um, and because of my musculature, just just my my lack of range of motion in my ankle, I've been able to prevent a lot of weird ankle tweaks because because my ankle doesn't go very far in any direction. <laughs> Not getting those ankle thingies all the time. <laughs> nope. Like I, I got a few towards the start and I think like my ankle messed itself up enough from, you know, ankle rolls and skateboarding and, um, you know, the odd ankle tweak and stuff. Now it's like it takes a lot to mess up my ankle. <laughs> I'm sure anyone that's been doing parkour for you know, over five years, just as scar tissue in their ankles. And like, it's, it's good as a protective measure, but <laughs> also like, there's a lot of stuff I want to do with my, my range of motion with my ankle that I, I simply cannot do. Yeah. Like I want to, I, I want to have like a, like a flat footed squat with my knees in front of me or even like kind of more inwards than outwards. And mm -hmm. I am nowhere close because my ankle can barely freaking move. Is that something like you're actively working on or just kind of, kind of honestly, of it? it's been like a passive project yeah. of mine for many years. Like it's like, you know, one session I'll remember to do it and then I'll just like forget about it for a few months. So, so something that I've started incorporating a while ago was, uh, have you heard of knees over toes guy? Yeah. Do his stuff, man. I, I cannot recommend that enough to, to everyone. Like he's got like a like a regimen to help you get your knees over yeah, your toes? Yeah, there's a whole, whole program for improving your, the strength of your knees and protecting that, that oh, joint. Really? Yeah, it's it's wicked. Um, I bet I would someone like that. Like, I think uh, I'd like to have some semblance of range of motion with my ankle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really... Like, it can't be over, overrated enough or underrated i don't know it's super helpful it'll protect your knees um things does like charge, nordic does curls. charge for the program um yeah but you can find it all on instagram and youtube he puts out so many videos you can basically get all the information you need from there Sick. just incorporating those exercises yeah but yeah especially when it comes to jump strength like jumping power because that mm -hmm. guy's his background's in basketball this vertical okay. jump is wild. It's wild. I imagine like that's pretty much the only kind of jumping thing you're doing in basketball, right? Is it's pretty much up down and then just running. So yeah, yeah. so all like incorporating um, these just even for myself, like I'm getting a little bit older here, and I want to be able to keep doing parkour for a long time, right? So now it's yeah. getting to that like okay, I need to make sure my joints are good. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at a certain age with parkour and, and not even just like an age as a person, but just like like amount of years you've put in training parkour, like there's a lot of, uh, you know, to, towards, you know, past seven, seven, eight, nine, ten years, you really have to start investing in recovery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was myself probably around the 10 year mark that I was like, probably most of my time was just going into like preparation work for parkour yeah <laughs> yeah like you you can't even like i can i can barely train like i i, I definitely can't do two days in a row <laughs> these days yeah but like yeah, i yeah. can like if i do not 
you know, do a good warm up and dynamic. Yeah. Like a, yeah, a good dynamic warm up and a good stretch at the end of a session. Like mm -hmm. I know for sure I'm going to be messed up for the next like two days, three oh, yeah. days. I, for your training right now, are you doing, um, a lot of like weight training or calisthenics? Like I, I'm doing a lot of body weight stuff for upper body, but in terms of, of lower body, not a whole lot of squatting these days. It's more just distance running. Like, Oh really? Yeah. I, I got into running, um, for NAPC 2015. Cause I, I, I wanted to, tr <laughs> this is like a classic kind of, kind of like how, when I started parkour, I, I did kind of vague athletic training to keep me like to get me athletic for parkour. Um, I wanted to be even more athletic for NAPC cause I had gotten in that year. Um, right. and so I, I did another form of vaguely like not, not even really useful athletic training. It was just like me wanting to be more athletic. And I started just running and running and running from like, I, I would just, I would run every morning and then I, I really took to running and now I'll just like smash out a 10 K no problem. Or like oh, on a, on an impulse, some days I'll go for a 20 K or some days I'll just be like, I just want to run for 30 K. Well, damn. Yeah. I must, uh, <laughs> that, I must help your energy levels. It must take a, a while for you to get tired then when you're training. Hey, yeah. I train um, yeah. I, I, I kind of just decide to end sessions now. Like, it's not like a, like I'm tired. I'm like, no, I, I'm going to call it here. Cause I know I could just keep going. Uh, I, now I don't think it, it has judging by how you move, but do you feel like the long distance running has affected your explosiveness at all? No, but I have to be careful when I do it because it, it does take energy and power output output away I, I i even find like if i if i've done a 10k run like if i'm going for for time like if i'm really trying to push it even the next day i'll have power output issues so i have to be very mm -hmm. careful in where i i place the runs it's kind of it's kind of just like weightlifting. Right. like you yeah like, you don't do like a like a max weightlifting session and then you know the next day try and have like a really good you know training session yeah yeah you have to be you have to be, be kind of careful how you how you place them I'm going to go training parkour in two days so I can run now. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of forward thinking. Sweet. Um, how about in terms of uh, diet? Do you follow anything specific? Um, whatever. It's, it's kind of just whatever. Like I, I try and eat as... I, I, I would say as healthy as possible, but no, I try and eat as many vegetables as I can each day. Um, but I, I have such a freaking sugar tooth. Like I just, oh, me I, too. I, yeah, like, and be, because I'm doing enough athletic endeavors, I feel like I'm using the sugars, even though it's, it's not the best form of energy. Like I'm putting a low grade of fuel in, but yeah. I'm using <laughs> yeah. the fuel, so it's not making me fat, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I justified. do try and eat as many vegetables as possible because like, I, I think, it, it definitely counts for something, even if I'm eating crappy that day. And then I, I remember back when I wasn't much of a, a, a healthy eater, I was, I was even less of a healthy eater. I saw something on the internet that just said, like, don't be afraid of vegetables. And I read that. I was like, <laughs> I'm not afraid of vegetables. And I just started like, that was what got me to start eating healthier. 
I had to be like, like weird challenged into it. Like, don't be afraid. I'm like, oh, a carrot or broccoli? I'm not afraid of that stuff. You know, I can totally eat those. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not afraid of no vegetables. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so when you are training, what do you go for more? Solo or small group or large group training? If if I could do large group training for the rest of my life, I would do that. Like, oh, really? the, <laughs> oh, having a big parkour jam and just like that. That is the best version of myself. Like, I'm just like I'm with people I, I know and love. And like, I'm just like my loosest version of myself. I'm just like shouting random crap and I'll just like get into a flow state and just enjoy myself. But what it tends to be these days is like smaller groups, like one or two people um but i don't even mind a solo training session like these days i'm 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 less prone to doing that but i have had a lot of solo training time in my career in parkour because mm. i for for a long period of time that parkour was my my everything parkour was like if i'm not doing parkour i don't know what life is you know yeah. so even if people weren't available for a training session, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to go out and do this because I want to be always improving. There's always things that I need to be working on. And so I, I built this kind of, you, you have to build like a, like a tougher skin for solo training because it, yeah. it, it takes a lot to push yourself to go for bigger things, you know? Um, really but does. I had, I had a time in my life where I moved to like a small, a small town in Northern Alberta and I had nobody else to train with at all. Like there's, there's literally nobody else in that city that or in that town that trained parkour. And I had access to this gymnastics gym that I like kind of taught at, but the head coach didn't really want to give up his, his tenure. And I respected that because I'm lazy. So I just, like <laughs> I, I let him kind of teach the parkour classes and then if he had any questions about it, he would like ask me, but I would just like train alongside them. And like, like I just used it as like training time basically. Um, right. And I, yeah, I, I showed up at this gym and they gave me the keys. And so I would just like go in there and, and train solo. Um, and this was around 2016, early 2017. And I, at the time was at kind of the height of my parkour commitment where I had done some exciting things like I had I had toured with Team Farang. I had I had, you know, traveled and gone to the yeah. big European jams and stuff. And the next big thing coming up um, was that Josh from store and I and uh, and Chris Thompson. So so Josh and Chris had this series called um, it. Oh, my God. C and J. It's a series called C and J. And it was my favorite parkour video series because it was just some of the most groundbreaking parkour filmmaking and movement and everything. And it was my dream to make that video. And, <laughs> and my whole MO in parkour was just making my dreams happen. Like I wanted to train with team Farang. I did that. I wanted to go to art emotion. Oh. I did that. I wanted to make a, a store video. And, and as the amount of commitment that I put in with parkour, with community engagement and training and, and all that, like, things just started happening naturally. Like as soon as the team Farang stuff started happening, um, my, my movement was brought to a, a larger stage and then store reached out to me because I had, I had met a few of them on my travels in England and stuff and they were aware of me. And then Josh from store reached out in 2016, 2017. And we started planning this, this video and yeah. I, I knew that we were going to make it somehow, but I knew I couldn't shoot it 
while I was stuck in this town. I had no one to train with or anything like that. And, you know, you're not just going to make and make a, a parkour video with store where it's like indoor clips. Like what, what video of theirs has like gymnastics right. clips except for like early, like messing around, you know? Yeah. And so I knew I wanted to do some really next level movement. Like I wanted to do like wall gainers and I wanted to do like double twists and just crazy stuff. And so I was training as hard as I could in this gymnastics gym. And then yeah, store reached out and, and in, in that same same space of time, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this with this story or what what the original question was. I guess it was solo training. <laughs> because of that solo training, the opportunities that came up in that year, I was able to freaking smash it. Like I was I was contacted to judge a parkour competition in Michigan, and so they they flew me out oh, there. Damn. And yeah, it was it was freaking sick. Like we were at the the famous like Flint, Michigan fountain spot. Um, and you know, the fountain was dried up and everything. We got to have this crazy competition. And then, um, after that competition, uh, one of the other judges, my friend, Alex Paulus, he, he invited me to go on a road trip with him to Denver. And on the way I found out that store was doing their roof cult tour there. And so, oh, shit. I, yeah, so we, we, uh, we toured. So I, I went with Alex, we went to Chicago and then all the way over to Denver. And then, yeah, we met up with Store and we went there for the Store Jam. And I knew a few of them. I was familiar with a few of them. We, we had been talking and stuff. And Josh and I knew that we were trying to make this video. And so I said to them, I was like, guys, I, I noticed you have an extra seat in your tour van. Like, can I come with you guys? And they're like, yeah. And so wow. I, I joined on with their, their America tour. And, and we, went from, we went from Denver back across America to like Philadelphia and then from philadelphia we we flew all the way back to england and in that time i just like shot all my clips with them i shot all my clips for the the story video there damn dude i had no idea any of that happened yeah it was the craziest because i thought i thought i was going to be gone for five days to like you know i i, I already <laughs> had this, this golden opportunity to be flown out to michigan and you know be housed and and fed and and then you know, get to judge a parkour competition. Like that was already like, this is freaking awesome. But then it was like, okay, this is great. We're going to go to Denver. Holy crap. There's store. Can I go with them? Cool. Let's just, okay. All of a sudden I'm in England. Like it's just Holy. the classic, like I was supposed to be gone for five days and I was gone for six weeks. Wow. Yeah. Just a whirlwind. <laughs> like what? That must be, I mean, such good memories to have there, right? Like, yeah, it was it just, the the best time honestly like i i have been such a little store fanboy since like 2011 like that they were they yeah. were some of the first parkour teams they were like them and um i guess like three run and then team frank came along but store was one of the first i was watching and they back then they were doing like kind of training kind of just messing around like yeah <laughs> you know just like like screaming random crap at strangers and you know chris brooks and stuff like that that brought me into them and then my love for their videos kind of it kind of became my love for parkour you know mm. yeah they've done such a good job of well changing but it, and changing with parkour and shaping it too like the landscape and portraying good like actual parkour yeah it's I, it's it's like the best possible timeline for parkour that store became like 
the the big team because they they have I don't know they they've always been with parkour in terms of like the culture I don't know to me parkour culture really started to take off around like 2010 and then from from there you know the the culture really started to build up and build up and they were they were kind of a part of everything like they they got to train with you know the the english practitioners and they you know they had the videos with phil doyle and kai willis and daniel Ibaka, and they went to all the big european events and stuff and like they they grew with the community and then just like blew the heck up because of how consistent they were you know like they, they didn't always necessarily have this every monday schedule but as soon as they started doing that they just started to grow and grow and grow yeah it's, yeah it's unbelievable how they've maintained that i i guess with a, a large enough group there's always someone to to make up for it but it, between just injuries alone and and their constant training yeah the fact that they can make do an episode every week right now is yeah it's impressive and they, and they deserve the, their success. The, the level of quality with them, like they, they're they're such watchable videos. Like they'll they'll go cinematic, and and then they'll also, you know, they'll they'll include drone shots, and then they'll include crazy movement, and they'll include just like the little funny bits that brought me to store in the first place. Like it's 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 like a TV. Like it, it it's honestly, I'm 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 such a a fanboy in paradise with the current state of their videos. Like it's yeah. everything I love about parkour plus everything I love about store. Damn. Yeah. Do you have a like a favorite uh, training session or just some wild thing that happened when you when you were uh, touring with them? Uh, oh, I honestly every, every day was a pretty fantastic training <laughs> session. But one one in particular sticks out to me. And it was we were in this abandoned car factory in Philadelphia and just there's this really cool rooftop spot and there was a lot of just exploring this giant abandoned car factory and like it was just the perfect mix of exploring and messing around and also doing like great movement like there was there was just there was something that appealed to me about the rooftop spot and i was able to really bust out and be like yeah i'm not just like i'm not i'm not just some parkour chump you know i'm like yeah. I'm, I, I could hang you know <laughs> Yeah, with the big dogs. <laughs> yeah, but like honestly, every session was so good with them. Like the first day we hung out in in Denver, like we we did the jam, and then also Dante Grazioli was there, and both of us were really into Super Smash Bros. Melee at the time. So we like, <laughs> I I huddled in a corner and played Melee with him for a little bit, and then you know we all hung out after. And I remember we we were kind of just going around in the van and. Uh, you know, there was a big group of people with us and Sean Higgins was there from from I think he's from the Denver community, Colorado in general. And he just rolls up next to us and we're all just chilling, you know, shooting the shit. And he just starts freestyling and he freestyled for like 20 minutes. It was insane. It was like a good freestyle, too. <laughs> just like every every day touring with them was just amazing. Just such a. Uh, a life-changing experience for me. Yeah, what a great way to to see all the different uh, communities too. Because you and you know everyone's going to be turning up for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Stores in town. Everybody's coming through. You know. I'm gonna have. 
you're gonna have to contact them tell them to come across canada god i would love that <laughs> I, I would love i've been i've been trying to get well they they have been some of them have been here for napc actually oh yeah um, that's right that's right yeah, yeah 2019 no 2018 they came i think um but i've been trying to get josh out here for years we we, we keep planning for him to come out and then things keep falling through and it's it's a far distance to go. It's honestly a far distance to go. Yeah, that's a good that's a good trek. Yeah, uh, that would be um like because you guys were planning. You said you were planning on making a video together years ago. You guys have similar styles, hey? Like you re both really like that um more flow focused. Yeah, I like to I like to spin, and yeah, yeah. and I. I want to say that it's the spots that I trained in that influenced me. Like it, it's, it's kind of a mixture of all my parkour influences and the spot and how I wanted to move. But I think like the, the kind of stuff that he's on right now with like flowing and, and constant spinning and trying different axes and things like that. That was the style of training that I was drawn to as well. Cause that was, it, it seemed to be the most accessible movement style with the spots that we had in Calgary. You know, like just right. they were all kind of lower lying or like the spots that we gravitated towards were kind of lower ledges, like nothing really higher than your chest, but like a series of them or like one long thing. Mm -hmm. And it just the the style of movement that that creates where you don't have much to work with. And he, he, here I am already going against my opinion on the flow, <laughs> you know, like, using the same obstacle and blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> a, a lot of those mistakes I was knocking were, you know, things that I've done in the past as well. Um, yeah. Like just just that style of having a ledge and and flowing along it and finding possibilities that way. Like him and I kind of shared that appreciation in that sense of a, a, a lower impact, more spinning, more flowing style of movement. Mm hmm. Which is more rare for him too right because they're all their buildings there it definitely lends itself to a different style yeah everything's so compact you can do these you know vaults to whatever cats and tax and whatever things are close together in yeah. canada i know having trained in calgary it's very similar to winnipeg where things are just spaced spaced out you know they're we've got the room so <laughs> yeah yeah, you're you're we're we're lucky to find anything with any kind of a a height difference, you know. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, and the place we do have here, it's just been worked worked to death over the last sixteen years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the thing with having like a central spot. Like we we had Century Gardens in in Calgary, and even we would like turn our nose up at at Century Gardens, even though it was such like an amazing amazing parkour spot, like we had just done it to death you know and yeah. and and of course of, of course if you really want to you can find possibilities in any spot but for us we were just like gah you know like let's let's go find like an electric box instead or something you know <laughs> just something different yeah like when you when you have like one central parkour spot like that even if it's the best spot in the world you just end up getting spoiled by it you know yeah yeah that's very true yeah, and then it, so it takes uh, someone else who hasn't trained there yet to come to come in and see a new challenge that yeah. you just become kind of blind to from overexposure. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, that's that's the wonderful thing about having someone come and move to your town. Like, uh, for example, in Vancouver, uh, we we just had um, this guy named Pablo come and move here from Germany, and he he would train with like Ashigaru, and he would be at all all of not all, but he would be at sessions like that. And he's a very proficient mover, and he, having a, a a new set of eyes. And, and, and a new style of training come to town, it just opens up the world. Like you see them hit spots in a different way and that makes you start thinking in a different way. And like, yeah. it, it parkour is such a treat in that sense of like, you know, someone moves to your town and all of a sudden parkour is freaking exciting again and everything's different, you know? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. If anyone listening, I can't recommend travel enough. Yeah. Like travel go visit other places. essential part of parkour. Like you parkour is not parkour if you stay in the same city the whole time you know yeah. like no yeah. no wonder the athletes who have only trained in one city end up quitting you know <laughs> because they're like what else is there to, to do but like as soon as you travel and go to jams like just like international jams or even like provincial or state jams like ju just go to those and you're exposed to so many different styles of movements and perspectives in parkour that like you know, if if you were feeling even a little bit disenfranchised on parkour or a little bit tired of it, you would be invigorated for a year from yeah. going to a jam that size, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, while we're still talking about traveling, how did you end up uh, traveling or training with Frank? Oh, yeah. That was also a freaking awesome time. I, um... How... Okay, so it all kind of goes back to me discovering the joy of international jams. Like I, geez, we're gonna go, we're gonna go way back in the timeline. Like I went to, yeah. I went to my first PKBC in 2013, and I was like, oh, okay, so parkour jams are really where it's at. And then um, I got my first parkour sponsorship um, with the WFPF, and they held oh, right. a. They held their first kind of not their I don't know if it was their first, but it was it was a larger competition in Connecticut. And so I I had been involved with the parkour community through, you know, the various Facebook pages, but especially youth parkour. Like that was like a big, big parkour page for like just like younger athletes to like meet and connect and share their movement and stuff. Okay. Yeah, so youth yeah. parkour was kind of a, a breeding ground for like community engagement. Like on youth parkour, I met like I met Johnny Donahue and like Sean Batista and Z and like you know oh, Al AJ Algerfree and just all all of like like Shay Shay from from the Denver community. Like I, a, a lot of my love for global communication kind of came from the parkour and friend and groups and youth parkour. And I've met these people on youth parkour and. You know, Johnny was known for having a parkour park in his backyard. Like he was he just had these parents who just made this huge ass parkour park. <laughs> so so I, I assembled this trip where I went and stayed in Boston with my friend Hudson and we would train with Sean Batista and you know Johnny and stuff. And then we traveled down to Connecticut and oh no, I'm getting my trips mixed up. I, w I went to Connecticut originally and met them all for the first time. And then I, I went to Boston and then we, we went on road trips and stuff. But I was introduced right. to, you know, meeting athletes and connecting with them uh, at, at these larger international gems. And I started to develop a presence online. You know, I, I, I had started to garner, you know, some form of respect from athletes like like Alfred Scott and, you know, Sean Batista and and 
you know, larger athletes at that time, people would, right. would share my content and I would be engaging with them and just commenting on people's parkour lines on YouTube and on Instagram and things like that. And eventually, um, so, somehow, oh, it was, um, I, I, I read in an interview with Jason Paul that he was interested in getting into making hip hop beats. Oh. And I was into making hip hop beats at the time. And I was like, I've always wanted to talk to Jason Paul. And now we have something that like, that we're both like actively interested in other than parkour. Cause of course everyone wants to talk to Jason Paul about parkour. Right. Right. Um, but we had something that both of us were kind of like super jazzed on at the time. And, and so I messaged him, we talked about it and stuff. And eventually that conversation kind of changed into an apprenticeship. Like I, I, I had this somewhat official apprenticeship with Jason where he would give me podcasts to listen to and books to read and things like that. Like he, Sweet. Like I, I was curious on how to be, I, I, I wanted to be like Jason Paul, but in my own way, you know? And so he, he kind of saw me and from my perspective, he saw me as as kind of clay for the molding, and he would, <laughs> he would give me these resources, and he would give me critiques on videos and things like that. And then eventually, one day, I was out for a walk, and Emily, his, and, are they married now? I'm not sure. His his girlfriend or or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Emily, of Life course, everyone, everyone knows Emily. <laughs> um, Emily messages me and says and, and says to me that Jason is interested in, in having me along for, for this Farang tour that they're doing. Um, wow. and I was already, I was already planning on being in Amsterdam that year. This is like, this is 2016. I, I planned on being at for the love of movement. And so we just devised this whole plan of, I would meet meet with them at for the love and then they would fly. Like I, I would, I would train with them in, in Amsterdam. And then together we would, we would fly out to, Originally, I think we were planning on going to France and then Spain, but it mm. ended up just being Spain just because of, I think, passport issues or something like that. But oh, yeah, yeah. They, they ended up paying for my flights and places to stay and like they would buy me meals and stuff. And like Damn. that was just such a dream come true for me. Wow. So that was, um, I guess, pre the pre-Dom era of Farang. It was actually like early right. Dom. So Dom, oh, yeah. Dom was along for the trip, but he was oh, still... Sweet. He was he was a a newer member to the team. Okay. Yeah. So that's still he was, uh, he was Sean. Like a, yeah. Well, Sean Sean was off the team by then because he oh, was really? being you know party animal Sean. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. The, I I I don't know how deep I can go into the details because you know yeah. I'm friends with Frank. I'm friends with Sean. I respect both of them. I I respect yeah. their privacy and their reasons. And I don't know if Frank sure. ever ever went fully fully public with why uh them and sean decided to go separate ways um but yeah that this was uh, but i do know why <laughs> um but yeah they, they had gone their separate ways at the time and now you know dom had you know kind of come along and you know he 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 was just starting to make a, a stir in the parkour scene he wasn't quite known as dom like the the you know the gargantuan you know the dom tomato he is right. nowadays Before right he's the front flip guy yeah <laughs> he, he kind he had bigger front he had big front flips but it wasn't like it it wasn't necessarily like he was kind of known for big front flips but no one was quite as wowed by his front flips back then but i remember right. even 
even at that time, like 2016, I remember people showing me like the, this one certain area at the For the Love venue where it must have been like a story and a half up. And someone was like, yeah, Dom's front flipped that. I was like, what the heck? Wow. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know if he actually did it, but I believed it. And he's done bigger yeah. front flips since. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 But That's he like just a casual he, front he was now. more. Yeah. He, he, he was more like the movement he was doing was still the very Ferengi, like flowy lines and stuff. Like he, he hadn't quite, he hadn't quite found his own. I don't know. From, from my perspective as, as a spectator, it didn't seem like he had found his ideal style of movement until he started getting into flip precisions and he started getting mm -hmm. into like, even like, like just preposterously large front flips. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, uh, did you make videos back, back then of, uh, all your travels? If people want to see anything? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have been making parkour videos since like the very, very beginning. Like I had a team called, I, I had my own YouTube channel, which became Calgary parkour, which became back to my YouTube channel again. Um, <laughs> and I, I have this, this, uh, this long playlist on my own YouTube channel and I think it's just Josh Doey parkour videos, but yeah, it goes all the way back to like 2011, all the way to like even even now, where it's like Instagram compilations and stuff. But there's so, there's you know videos I've made with my team Urban Wolf Pack, and then we became Pody, and then we you know I have all of my my videos with Store in there, and then I've got the Farang videos. Like it's it's all in there if you want to see it. Oh, that's wicked! I'll definitely include that um, in the description for anyone <laughs> that yeah. wants to. Go check those out. I'm definitely, definitely. gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some there's some goal in there for sure. Damn. Wow. Well, um, some other things I want to get into actually was I know you're into acting. So how how did that come about? What was your first experience with acting, and why did you want to pursue that? Yeah, yeah, acting is like my 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 main squeeze right now. Like acting is kind of where parkour was for me, you know, 10 years ago. So, I I got into acting or I I I always knew I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't necessarily know how to do it. You know, like mm -hmm. I I had heard like the the pop culture stories of, you know, people getting picked up off the street by an agent. They're like, yeah, you you look like you'd be perfect to be Harry yeah. Potter. Like, you know, just like just you know, someone chance. comes to your school and and picks you to be a movie star, which when you think about it, it's actually kind of creepy. You know, yeah. Like, yeah so I, I kind of lived my childhood being like, when's it going to happen? You know, when, when, when someone going to find me? But like, I lived in Calgary, like who's like yeah. walking around Calgary looking for the next like big actor. So I had this idea that, you know, when I when I turned 40, you know, or, or around that time when parkour had kind of run its course in my life and, you know, not, nothing else was really going on for me in the in the realm of movement that I would sort of eventually move into acting. And and that was kind of my vague plan. I was like, yeah, when I'm when I'm 40, somehow I'll probably be an actor. And <laughs> and then um, my friend Amanda, who I met at my very first parkour jam, who was nice enough to be, you know, inclusive and kind of introduced me to the the very welcoming community in parkour. Um, she introduced me to an agent because I 
I thought, you know, the next natural progression for parkour was to get into stunts. So, so she introduced me to this agent and, you know, said that I was interested in stunts and stuff. So I met with this agent and the agent was like, okay, so, um, that sounds great. Let's, let's do stunts, but, um, we can have you do a couple other things if you want. Like we could get, we could get you into singing. We could get you into doing this, into this, into this. We could do maybe acting. We could do this. I was like, Oh, acting, let's do that. So, (laughs) so I, so, so I started off with background acting, which is, you know, where most people who, you know, aren't, aren't, you know, the, 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 the pop culture stories of, you know, getting picked up off the street and becoming, you know, the next big star. I, I followed that path of, you know, doing background acting and just being on set and just trying to understand how things worked. Cause I had no idea how movies worked. I just thought, you put people in front of a camera and bang. And, you know, for some reason, film sets have a hundred people and it works yeah. somehow. You know? <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't understand how it works. So yeah. I was kind of just going for any experience I could. So I got into background acting and I get on set um, and I would just take notes. I would just like look around like, what's that person doing? I'm going to take a note. And then, you know, I would, I would ask it. I would ask people who seemed more experienced than me, you know, in the background sector, like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Okay, I'm going to take notes. And then eventually um, I started auditioning for commercials and stuff. And I I had had one close call, but other than that, nothing really. But I finally, I I scored a role in a student film, which back then to me seemed humongous. You know, there's there's state in, in Calgary and that's kind of, that that was one place where people would learn to be um, film crew and things like that. Um, okay. So Sate had this film and I auditioned for it and got in and I was just introduced to the experience of like actually being an actor. You know, I had seen actors on set, uh, you know, with who would, you know, they, they would put them in front of the camera and they would run their scenes and, and, you know, they had lines to remember and things like that. And, I I finally got that experience of, you know, having lines to remember and, you know, being like a pivotal member on set. And I remember at one point while we were shooting this student film, um, when they were transporting me from our our holding area to the set. And I started getting this feeling of preparation and and I got this very, very, very familiar feeling that I've only had once before. And that was the first time that I ever did parkour. Like I, I got <laughs> the same feeling that day doing acting that I did when I did parkour. Yeah. Like when that, that, that first day of like, holy, I, I want to do this real. forever. And like, I, I got that same, like, all right, like this feels right. Yeah. And so, then, so I acting in that moment gave me the same feeling that that first day of parkour did and i recognized that feeling of like i am in the right place with the right people doing the right thing like i am doing like i i don't know how much of a believer i am in destiny or or anything like that but i can tell when i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be and i i had that click that that click feeling that's that's the best way to describe it um and so Parkour, or, yeah, life kind of took a turn. I, I moved to this this small town in northern Alberta, and, you know, I was training parkour alone and kind of just wondering what my next step was. And one day I was I was bored enough. Like, it, it, it was it was such a, 
a small town that there wasn't much to do. So I would train parkour and I'll go home and like, I would just watch Netflix or I would, I would even start to develop habits like things like meditation and, and things. So I started just like building, I, I started building a lifestyle cause there was no lifestyle present for me to have. And right. so in that, in that building of myself and my lifestyle, one day I was bored enough and I was just like, you know what? My parents are always bugging me about university and stuff. And I don't know, like I'm bored enough. Let's just like, let's just check out a few things. And so I initially looked into an architecture school because, you know, parkour taught me to appreciate architecture. And like, I, I understood and appreciated enough that I thought maybe I would enjoy going to school for that. And yeah. I looked into the programs. And I was like, yeah. And then I started looking into acting schools and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. I, I, I searched up acting school, like Vancouver acting school, because I knew Vancouver was, you know, like a like a a, a hub kind of for a hub, acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there, there's a lot going on in film in Pretty Vancouver. Everything in uh, all all the Canadian stuff is right there. Pretty much, yeah. There's like Toronto and Vancouver. Yeah, and it's pretty much nothing in between. So yeah. they. Um, I, I was looking at at acting schools, and on this one particular acting school, it was called New Image College. I I was scrolling down the page and there was a list of like films they'd done and just like I there there was some kind of list of alumni or something. It wasn't a long list. It was just like some names of some people who had gone in the school. And on that list, I saw my friend Lucas Othmer, who I had traveled to Vancouver numerous times to stay with for parkour jams and NAPC and stuff. Like we were very close friends, especially at the t at the time. And I like I oh, yeah. I I think maybe I I kind of knew he was into acting but yeah. I, I i i had no idea that he like went to a school for it or anything like that so i like i i messaged him i was like hey what's up like what's with this acting school like how is it like what's going on with it and he's like dude if you enroll in this school it's like the best that that'll be the best decision you ever make for yourself <laughs> wow and i i i was convinced but i wasn't committed so i i had a few like vague questions about like enrolling for the school because naturally as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of acting experience when when you hear that you have to like audition for an acting school you're like oh yeah. like it sounds like scary you know yeah. auditioning yeah. for an acting school like you just imagine like you know a bunch of very experienced actors sitting in a table or sit, sitting at a table across from you going like just criticizing all right let's see how good you can act you know yeah it was just the most terrifying idea to me and you know i'd done a few auditions and stuff but they still like just scared the crap out of me. Um, so I had, I had a few tiny questions about that process. And I, there was like a, like a, like a question form you could fill out and send to them. And I was like, Hey guys, like how, how does this work? Like what kind of scenes you have to have? Blah, 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 blah. And they sent me back all the information and they're like, by the way, um, we can have you audition like next week. And I'm like, I was like, uh, uh, that was not actually what I was asking, but, uh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so I, um, I, I, they, they taught me how to like find a monologue and there was some very rudimentary, you know, tips that, that they gave for working on this monologue. And when I got that audition, like the, the audition was like next week, that was around the time of my birthday and there wasn't much to do in in cold lake that that was that was the town i was in there wasn't much to do in cold lake so we went right. uh, my my family and i we went from the the small town from cold lake to edmonton it was like a 3 hour car drive or whatever but all, 
and there, there's not even that much to do in Edmonton, really, but there's the mall, you know? There's, like, the water yeah, slide. Yeah, yeah. Like, I freaking love the water slides in Edmonton, dude. Like, that's, like, that, like, Edmonton is just, like, water slides and town, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, we went to Edmonton and, you know, the, the water slides and everything, and I, I somehow, oh, that, that's how I found out. Um, one of my friends messaged me and said he worked at the mall and this friend in particular, he was part of the main cast on the, the that first student film that I did. It was like, oh. it was a group of four kids, like, you know, you know, four like high school age kids. And yeah. I was one and he was one of the other guys. And, and he didn't even live in Calgary. He lived in Edmonton and he was working that day that I was at the mall. And so I somehow it came up that I w wanted to work on this audition and I had no idea what I was doing. So after his shift at the store that he worked at in, in the Edmonton mall, uh, we met up over dinner and he taught me how to work on a monologue and, you know, how to endow things and how to have feelings about things. And he kind of gave me a crash course in acting. And thanks right. to his help, I was able to smash out that audition and I got enrolled in the school in Vancouver and I was like, well, I guess I got to go move to Vancouver now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, wow. It, getting into acting and even the opportunities that I've had in parkour, it's just been like, you know, just just an insane amount of luck. And just that the mentality of when an opportunity comes up, let's just go for it. I don't know what I'm doing. But let's just go for it. Yeah, that's like, um, I'd say, like, courageous in, in a lot of ways, like. As a younger person, you know, it's a, you can be very reluctant to do things. But yeah, yeah, you definitely seized on on your opportunities. Yeah, well, you know, parkour taught me that mentality because I didn't take classes or anything like that. Like I watched a few tutorials, but a lot of parkour, learning parkour was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. And so that that kind of mentality, along with many other of the the lessons parkour teaches you, that stuff just kind of stuck with me. Like it, it, this model of thinking just kind of stayed there after learning parkour. This, this, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's just try. And like you know, you can handle it type of thing. Yeah. And, and it, if, willing if, to... if I can't, oh, well, and like, I don't know if I don't know what I'm doing, just ask someone, you know? Right. Yeah. That's even that, that's a hard lesson to learn for some, some people. Yeah. <laughs> Asking I, for help. Yeah, it's I, okay I am, I'm no everyone. stranger to asking for help or for tips or anything like that. Like I just, I, I, I have found myself in the in a lucky enough position that I have always had the right people around to ask for help or to to ask for tips or knowledge or whatever. Or even if they weren't around, finding those people and being brave enough to ask them. And that's probably just what it takes, really. Hey, just having the the courage to do it. Yeah, reaching out and, to people. And of course, there's a there's a like you have to have tact when you're doing it. Like I remember, um, there there was a point in time with the parkour community where younger athletes would just like mention or they they would message experienced athletes and they they would send them uh, a, an attempt video of theirs and they would they would just say tips question mark like they wouldn't even like. <laughs> They wouldn't go like, hey, dude, like big fan of your stuff. Like they 
there there right. was no conversation there. It was just like, you know, Jimmy. some parkour fan would message you out of the blue and go, tips. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Sweet. So um I guess you kind of men- mentioned it, like parkour helped you in your acting. Did have has there been any crossover the other way where you've learned something in acting that has improved your parkour? Oh yeah. Especially recently. Like I I've recently started doing this one style of acting that this acting class. Um and I, I never know how much I can say about these things. Like is a teacher a best kept secret? Like am I, am I supposed to talk about the the method or do I not talk about the method? But what right. I can say about this this style of acting that I've been learning, it's called method acting, which you think like, like you think of like Daniel Day Lewis, like, right. or, or you think of an actor, or like yeah, if if, if the, the character, character does meth, like I'm gonna do meth, like just like <laughs> like like you you come to think of of me- method acting like that, but it's more um, using your experiences and using your imagination to make acting more real to yourself physically, like because it's mm. one thing to believe in what's going on in a scene but it's another thing to have your body react to it as if it's happening so there there is a strategy of of tricking your your body or tricking or using your mind to trick your body into thinking that certain scenarios are happening like you you right so it's like like a more of a natural reaction yeah and, and and you see that kind of reaction in visualization like say you're visualizing a parkour line you your body and and your mind is actually gaining something from visualizing yourself doing it you some something about thinking something through to that level of depth your your body will react to your mind thinking those things through as if it was actually happening and yeah. so so that style of thinking is present in in method acting and part of part of this method that I'm learning is being in touch with your body being in touch with your impulses and like a, a lot of this scene work is learning to recognize when your body is presenting you with an opportunity and that was always something I wanted to work on with parkour I wanted to be more in touch with my body and I wanted to be like I, I love an impulsive style of movement or 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 finding those impulses or discovering those possibilities because your body is already presenting them to you. You know, like you, you for example, in parkour, like you don't know, like say you're making a line and you don't know what vault to do next in this line. Do do that parkour line up to that spot where you can't think of the next thing to move and see how your body moves after that. See what possibilities come up. And right. because of this new style of, of, and it's not even like new in the grand scheme of things, but it's new to me. Yeah. Uh, because of this new style of, of acting that I've been exploring, I've become a lot more in tune with my own body and my impulses. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Okay. Listen back to this <laughs> and think I'm at. Yeah, it's a lot to chew on. <laughs> Wow. So, um, yeah, geez, they kind of uh, play into each other well, parkour and acting. Hey, because in a way that's, I mean, I, I think everyone in parkour has probably done this where you're, you're setting a scene for yourself a little bit. 
yeah. at least physically, right? Like this is the thinking like, oh, what if there's, you know, something I have to get away from something. Yeah. You know, you're getting into that same kind of headspace. Yeah. Or like like making a a, a parkour line like it, it does parallel the acting experience. Like you have your setting, you have your, you know, your like your parkour moves that you have in your repertoire. Those are kind of like your lines as an actor, you know? Right. So you, you've got those lines and then you've got the situation. And then when you're presented with opportunities, you use your repertoire to move through the environment in the same way that like you use your lines and you use your impulses to move your way through a scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. That's very interesting. <laughs> I, yeah. I hope this is making sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, have you done stunts? Have yeah, I've, that world? I've done like I've done stunts on indies and then I've done like some stunt acting where like I'm doing, you know, I get I get to be a character and I get to do stunts. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I did a lot of like stunt performances um, through Breathe Parkour, like Breathe Parkour had kind of a, a side hustle with Steve Nagy, who um, he started with with Breathe Parkour, like the Breathe Parkour pro team, and then it became uh, Rocket House Productions. Um, but yeah, Steve would get us like live show opportunities, like back in like, even as far back as like 2013, we, we would get like gigs where we would go and do, um, like a park, we would, we, we would choreograph a parkour performance for a wedding or like a corporate event or, you know, any, anything in between, like, you know, at like some amusement park or something like that. And that introduced me to stunt work and I, I enjoy stunt work. But for for some reason, I don't I don't enjoy it as much as I do parkour or acting, you know, like st- right. stunt work feels like neither here nor there for me. It, it 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 feels a little bit off the mark for, for some reason. Right. Like parkour is <laughs> yeah. a fun thing. But then when it stunts, it's like this is oh, just a work, a lesser work version of it. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm of, of course, I'm grateful for like those those stunt opportunities. And um, and I, I did always have a good time doing them. But there, there was always a bit of resistance in me to doing them like some sometime or a lot of the time with performances. I would sometimes I would hope to be like injured before the performance would happen. <laughs> like I, sometimes I would just hope for something to go wrong so I wouldn't have to do it. And I maybe that's just that the natural performance anxiety but i find I, I don't know like i just i'm just not as into stunts as i am into other things yeah. like there's just the the stunt world i'm not very attracted to like just the you know you, you are with stunt team and you are with the, this stunt leader and you know you if one guy works with another guy or or disrespects the guy then he's off the team and you cannot talk to that guy and you're in trouble for talking to that guy. Like it, I've, I've kind of dabbled in the stunt world experience and yeah. it, it, I just, it's not a, a, a world that I'm fond of. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's fair. I think that's yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm always down to do stunt acting, which has actually gotten me in trouble. <laughs> like I, 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 again, I, I don't know if it's something that I can say as, as openly, on on the internet because of private details and stuff like that but i have gone as far as like getting some kind of stunt opportunity and then me being like 
No, but but I want to be a stunt actor. Give me a stunt actor. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, that's gotten me in trouble before. But I I love being a character who can do parkour or who who can do flips. That that's totally different for me. Right. So yeah. Can still, Maybe I'm just egotistical if, and I want to be the character. You can opt out of the the intense stuff if you want. <laughs> like get yeah, in a stunt like double for, for me here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think. Part of it's also just maybe like a like an ego desire to be seen. Like mm. I like may, maybe maybe I just want to be known that it is me doing the stunts, and I can also do other things. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other. Oh man. Yeah, we're, we're already like we're we're deep into this for like an hour and a half. Um, oh jeez. We could go. I I could just keep talking about so much but i think um we're gonna i'm gonna wrap this up with one more thing if that's cool yeah and i'll have to have you back for another episode here definitely there's, there's so, can, much more. There's so much forever. more <laughs> <laughs> okay oh man I, I wish wish i had more time this evening uh so one thing that i we ask everyone here at the end is just to give one piece of sage advice. So it could be for parkour, acting, whatever, skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jeez, that 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 that's a tough one. So okay, here here we go. I think that my advice would be: start and then learn. Like with with, mm. with with any kind of an undertaking, say you want to be, say you want to learn guitar, say you want to learn parkour, say you want to learn acting, like say you want to do any of these things. I think that trying to get as much information as possible before learning, like there there's something to be said for that. But I think the best way to go about it, in my experience, is to start and then learn. I like that. Yeah. That's a very good way to put to put that. Yeah. Start and then learn. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't learn then start because you may never start because you could just you can you can learn anything forever but you only have to start once you know once you right. start you keep going. Wow, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's great. Um, we'll do our, like our little fake goodbye here. You can stay on. Um say thanks everyone for listening um josh where can they find you to look at all your stuff um you can find me you can you can find pretty much everything i'm up to at www.joshdoey.com i've got all my social links and everything there's some little buttons you can click and you know there's a store and everything and yeah you can just go to joshdoey.com and yeah all my social links and everything is on there sick that's a sign of a true professional with your own website <laughs> yeah that's awesome okay uh thanks everyone again for listening um have a good one bye everyone